Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have. Are you seeing the books? Everything you would want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to Reading the Newberries, episode 34, Secret of the Andes. I'm Leah, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Lauren. Hello, friends. And Mandalay. What up, friends? And we are just going to dive into this book. Um, I mean, just right up front, wasn't my favorite, but (laughs) I did like learning about a different culture and um, lifestyle that I've never learned about. So there's that. What What did you guys, your just general impressions of this book? I made it to chapter three. All right. Four. All right. So not so good for Mandy. <laughs> I felt like it had a very slow start, mm-hmm. like very Hallelujah. slow. And like the last six chapters are where it picks up. Mm-hmm. And it does have, for me, a, like a surprise ending. So that was kind of fun. And I did enjoy learning about a different culture. I, you know, the Inca culture. You know, I we learned some about it in school, but we didn't really go deep into it. So that was mm-hmm. kind of fun. Definitely. All right. Well, Lauren, would you like to give us a book description? I will. I am reading this from the inside flap of my library copy of this book. Lovely. Mm-hmm. All right. Secret of the Andes, winner of the 1953 Newbery Medal, written by Anne Nolan Clark. High up in the Andes, there is a beautiful mountain valley hidden away from the rest of the world. There, Kusi, the Indian boy, lives with Chuto, the old Inca llama herder, helping him guard the precious flock. The walls of the Lama Corral are part of a ruined temple left from the days of old when the Incas ruled Peru. Kusi helps with all the llamas, grazing them, shearing them, training them. But his own special pet is Black Misty. Misty accompanies Kusi when Kusi leaves the valley and goes down to the world of people, the Spanish world, to search for his heart's desire. This is a story that sings the grandeur of the mountains. The wild crags, the canyons and gorges, the lovely pastures and wildflowers and deep crystal pools. More than that, it sings the grandeur of the Incas themselves, their grace and pride and dignity, the greatness that was never defeated but lives on sacred within their hearts. Hmm. Lovely. It makes it sound really interesting. I was going to say, that's that's a lot more exciting than that which I read. Yeah, I feel like... To anyone listening who is like, oh, that sounds interesting, but they don't want to read the book. If you can get your hands on the Newberry Prince Companion, (laughs) they have a plot summary. And I feel like it is concise, but like just well written. This is like 
This is like a book burn right here. Like, this is just literary. (laughs) (laughs) The spark notes are sufficient. It's just whoever I wrote this. Anyway, whoever wrote the plot summary did a very excellent job. It's like one of the best book reports I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, good job to them. Yes. Well, Mandy, yes. were you able to gather any information about Anne Nolan Clark? I was. She she was born December 5th, 1896 in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Uh, she graduated at age 21 from normal school, New Mexico Highlands University, and married Thomas Patrick Clark on August 6th, 6th 1919. And together they had one son, Thomas Patrick Jr., who sadly passed away as a pilot in World War II. Oh, wow. Her career began teaching English at the Highlands University. She transferred to a job teaching Native American children how to read in the 1920s and would continue doing so for 25 years. She incorporated the children's voices and stories into first through fourth grade books, which were used in the one-room schoolhouse as she taught them about literature. Her book, Journey to the People, she writes about this process as well as about her travels to parts of Central and South America. The U.S. Borough of Indian Affairs published 15 of her books between 1940 and 1951 relating to her experiences with the Native Americans. Her book, In My Mother's House, illustrated by artist Villino Herrera, was a Caldecott honor book in 1942. Uh, she lived and traveled for five years in Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Peru, and Brazil at the request of the Institute for Inter-American Affairs. Uh, she wrote about those experiences in her books Magic Money, Looking for Something, and the 1953 Newbery Medal winner, Secret of the Andes. She also wrote books in the 1940s for the Haskell Foundation and the Haskell Indian Nations University at Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, she won the Catholic Library Association's 1963 Regina Medal and the Bureau of Indian Affairs 1962 Distinguished Service Award. She passed away in 1995 in Arizona after writing 31 books looking at Native American culture, mostly through the eyes of its children. That makes a lot of sense because I will say she does a good job of kind of putting you in the place of the character but also i was gonna say of everything i read it was she does a very good job immersing you in the culture interesting well thank you mandy you're welcome it seems like she was very um connected i guess within the native american she she definitely world would know her stuff as it were Mm -hmm. it gives me a little bit more confidence in like the accuracy of some of the stuff (laughs) (laughs) All 
right. Well, are we ready to jump in and talk about this book? Let's do it. All right. Start us off, Lauren. All right. In chapter one, we are introduced to Kusi, a young Inca Indian boy, and Chuto, an old Inca Indian man. They live in a hidden valley in the Andes Mountains, and together they raise and tend a large herd of llamas, or llamas, depending on how you choose to pronounce it, but they would pronounce it llamas. When we meet Kusi, he is looking down over a rock um, to a valley far below where they live, and he sees an Indian family, and he's very excited because he's never seen other people before. It's just been Chuto and him for as long as he can remember. And are we, we are never told his age, are we? Um, no, I don't. I don't How old do so. you guys think he is? He seems like 12-ish. I would say 11 or 12. I don't, it just okay. has the feel of a coming of age story. And yes. that's typically yes. how old they are. So I don't know. That would be my guess. I agree. All right, cool, cool. So soon after this, a minstrel comes to visit them. They've never had visitors before. So this was exciting for Kusi. And the minstrel comes because he's going to stay in the valley to tend to the llamas because Kusi is joining Chuto on a journey to the salt pits. And this is something that normally Chuto does on his own while Kusi stays behind. Um, so Kusi's never left the valley before, but Chuto believes that Kusi is old enough to join him on this journey this time. And it seems like Kusi has reached a turning point in his life because in addition to this journey, Chuto begins to include Kusi in a ritual, which is called the sunrise call. And it's a mm -hmm. chant that they do at sunrise to worship the sun, basically. And it's something that's repeated throughout the book. And at one point in the book, the chant is performed in this town or village. And it's more like a call and response there with a larger group of people. So Kusi gets to be part of this now. Um, in addition to the llamas, Kusi and Chuto have a dog named Sunka. And out of all the llamas, there's one special llama that is just for Kusi, and this llama's name is Misty. And Misty is a black llama, and there's some significance to that, because in the days of the Incan kings, the black llamas were the first to be sacrificed to the sun. So they must be special. So Kusi continues to watch this family. Oh, sorry. I was like, Hello? I, I didn't know what I didn't know what to interject there. I was just giving you guys time if you had something Thank you. to say. I you don't. Know. I have nothing to say. Okay. So Kusi continues to watch that family that he saw in the valley below them, and he's he wonders what it would be like to have a mother and a father and siblings, and he just he begins to long for a family. Oh, while they're preparing for their trip, it takes them a few days to prepare. So while they're there, the minstrel is there with them. And he's been singing and chanting about the history of the Inca Indians. And Kusi has a lot of questions. He has questions about the Inca. He has questions about himself. And Chuto gives him pieces here and there, but he never gives him a full answer. He often answers Kusi's questions like almost in riddles or often he'll just flat out say you're not ready to know that yet 
Yeah, it gave me like a Karate Kid vibe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I was also getting um, like The Last Airbender. I don't know if you yes. guys have ever watched that. Yeah. Shout out to The Last Airbender, the cartoon. Yes. yes. I've only seen a few episodes. Not a few, but I haven't watched the whole series. Oh, I've watched it all. I was getting. Do yeah. it, people. <laughs> wow, Mandy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Oh you goodness. finished a TV series. I did, <laughs> and it's worth every episode. It's really good. So, sidebar, Dave Filoni, who works on the Clone Wars and Rebels and the Mandalorian, he he was one of the people who worked on The Last Airbender. That was his job before he came to Star Wars. The cartoon? Yes. Okay. Because if it was the movie, that's not something to brag about. Yeah, I, I've I've not really heard about the movie. Anyway, that was a sidebar. It was. When the minstrel first comes, he comments on the golden earplugs that Kusi wears, and I he they call them earplugs, but I'm imagining are they just earrings or are they I like? I guess they are those. I guess I should have looked that up, but in my head, I was thinking, I can't think of the technical term, but those things that like make your ears. Um, Oh, like gauge earrings? Gauges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was picturing. Let me look it up. I could see that. That's what I was picturing, too. I think they're also called that sometimes. Well, while you're looking that up. Yes. So Kusi, ha- he wears these golden earplugs, and he the minstrel comments on them, and Chudo basically, like, you know, changes the subject real, real fast, and so, like, right away, you're like, what's so special about these earplugs, and... We will learn in later chapters. I won't say it right now. It is what they're called now. That's what the piece mm-hmm. of jewelry is called. Tribal plugs. Yeah. They're very Interesting. pretty. Because, yeah, like we'll we'll meet other characters as we go through the book who have larger ones. And he, he mm. comments that like it, it made their ears earlobes hang down lower. So yes. that's kind of what I was picturing in my mind. Also sometimes called flesh tunnels, which I think I like better. Mm. <laughs> That sounds really creepy. <laughs> Look at all this learning. Well, that's all I have to say on those chapters. If you guys have any other things you want to say, say them now. Otherwise, Leah, you can begin your comments. Say them now. So one little uh, side adventure I took, I've heard several times recently about salt mines. I don't know why that keeps coming up in my life, but you can still visit these Incan salt mines in the Sacred Valley in Peru, and families still own like individual mines. You can look up Inca salt mines and see pictures of what they look like. They're actually beautiful. I don't know. They're beautiful if you've never seen them, I think, probably. (laughs) It's just something unique that looks really cool. And I I would encourage you if this is a book you want to read with your kids or I don't know, um, there's lots of fun things you can learn more about. And watching people harvest salt is very interesting and it gives you a great appreciation for salt. It's a lot of work and a lot of it is manual. Um, they have to like walk across the salt mines to like break things up. And so um, we were, I was watching Waffles and Mochi with my daughter. It's on Netflix and they... Um, talk about different um, 
things we use in cooking. And one episode was about salt. And they actually, I think they showed salt mines. I believe it was in South America. And it was probably the ones in Peru. I'm not quite sure. But they show like a whole family like walking across the salt mine together to break it up. Um, It's very tedious. And then they have to like kind of pan the salt and let it dry. And Himalayan salt comes from that. It's like the first salt that they that comes up. I was just about to ask that. Yeah, and it's like the, yes. the the first salt is the best salt, and it's pink yes. col- in color, and um, that's where you get Himalayan salt. So I just, I don't know. I think it's always fun to learn about things that we kind of take for granted. And these are um, very super pretty. interesting. We'll yeah. have to like put a link to that show in the show notes and yeah. pictures. This this is and there's beautiful. some good articles about it because when you go there, you can visit the salt mines, and I think that would be really fun actually i never i never knew i wanted to do that until right now right (laughs) very cool so i'm going to kind of summarize chapters five through eight um it's kind of a tedious section in the book at the beginning in chapter five we watch them preparing for their journey um so they're preparing food um i didn't look up what the potato powder was but it said it wasn't didn't say it was like fermented or something it sounded interesting I forget, but I think I read that they like actually still eat that in South America. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. A lot of the things that they talk about are still very common and things that they use for mm-hmm. medicinal purposes. Apparently, the Incans are were very much ahead of their time in um, nutrition and health and different uh, remedies and things like that. They were very intelligent about things like that. So I'm sure each of these things probably has good medicinal power and they probably still use it. So we see them getting ready. Um, They make everything out of llama yarn, basically, or skin, I'm guessing. I'm not sure how that all works together, but um, (laughs) they were making sandals and then they made their own sleeping mats. They have gourds for drinking. They make their ponchos. So... I feel like we need to talk about the elephant in the room the whole time they're talking about what they're wearing. All I'm thinking about is um, Emperor's New Groove. Yes. Yes. And how, what is his name? Pot, Pacha? Pa? Yeah. Yes. Pacha. Pacha. And how he looked. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain that's exactly oh, where yeah. his yeah. outfit came from. Yep. So <laughs> that's all I could think of <laughs> when we were learning about what they were wearing. Um, just look up a picture of him, and I think you'll have a pretty accurate picture. Yeah, all of that, all of the book that I read, just the whole time, I I just wanted to watch the Emperor's New Groove. I know, yeah. I know. I think we all should. You know, <laughs> I wonder. I mean, I know when Disney makes movies, they usually, you know, if it's set in a certain place or they want to, it's inspired by a certain place. Yes, they usually like deep dive into it so I, I wonder if they read this book or i don't maybe they didn't but i'm googling but yeah this is a total side note total tangent but if you there's an article i can put in the show notes if anyone is at all interested in like disney and behind the scenes stuff so the emperor's new groove was supposed to be a completely different movie than what it ended up being and I think, like, they, there was, like, the basic plot was, like, Yzma was, like, trying to blot out the sun, which makes mm-hmm. sense because yes. yeah, we learn in this book that they worship the sun, mm-hmm. and 
it's just very interesting. And what it ended up being was a way sillier movie mm-hmm. that was just loosely based on the Incan Empire, basically. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's really interesting. <laughs> like, Original it, like, name, <laughs> Kingdom of the Sun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's just, they had, like, a completely different movie. I forget what happened exactly, but it That's did funny. not end up being what they I wanted th- it I think they, originally intended. I, f- I feel like I watched something about this. Then Didn't they decide that it wasn't going to, like, be the hit that they were hoping it to be? I don't remember. So I, re- I know risk. that they basically, <laughs> they they took the team and split them into two groups and said, you guys make a movie and you guys make a movie and whichever one we like best will right. be the movie that we make. And like um, Sting was brought in and he had like written like a bunch of songs for the movie, mm-hmm. kind of like what they, like what Elton John did with mm-hmm. The Lion King. Right. And I only one of his songs actually ended up in the movie and it's the song at the end credits, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Um, so he was kind of upset. Yeah, like he was like, "Yes, I'm like the next Elton John, right?" <laughs> and he like didn't happen for him. There is a song that he wrote for Isma to sing that Eartha Kitt did record, and you can find it. It's called, I think it's like "Stomp Out the Light" or something like that. That's if funny. like you like, it's on like a playlist on Spotify for like Disney. Halloween songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically it's just like Disney villain songs. So it's out there. That's very interesting. And if you want to know more, there's a whole documentary about it. <laughs> oh, is there? Because I knew there was a documentary, but I I didn't know if it had been like published or not. Like That's the funny. article I read said that there's a documentary, but Disney didn't want it published. Because mm. it's men- it may- it's mentioned would make them on look bad. Wikipedia. It's oh, called The Sweatbox. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I think funny. I don't think it's been published. Mm. Like it exists, but I don't think because Disney was like it makes us look bad, so we don't want people to watch it. Hmm. Anyway, I'll put a link because this is getting I'm out of sure, control. I'm sure somebody wants to read about yep. the Emperor's new groove. <laughs> well, you will once you start reading this book. There, listen. There's a treasure trove. <laughs> Of things, further things to look into, like and the Emperor's New Groove, and then other cultural things like the Salt Mines, to you know enrich your book experience with this one. Yes, enrich it. It, it, it certainly <laughs> can use some enrichment. <laughs> All right, Yikes. Leah, continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so and a couple of things that I found interesting and they kind of um are a running thing. Uh Koozie always sleeps outside with the llamas. I thought that was interesting. The llamas are very much a part of his life, and he has this major connection with Misty, his his llama that he has to train and um and so we'll see more about that as we read more in the book but to me that wasn't because they have a shelter like they have a hut or something um but they don't use that for sleeping (laughs) they just use that for storing their food 
So anyway, they're packing up, they're ready to go on their trip, and we see as they are hiking on the paths um, that Kuzi is kind of having his eyes open for the first time. Um, This is his first time traveling away from the llamas, and knowing more about the book, I kind of see it as Chudo like testing the waters to see how Kuzi is going to do when he sees um, the world outside of his little bubble that he's known. We see his first interaction with um, Spanish people, and we see the differences between the Spanish and the Indians. The Spanish use um, burrows to do a lot of their work and to travel with. Indians use llamas, and Trudeau's explanation is that um, the Spanish can't manage the llamas, and you can tell, like, all the hurt that's behind that comment, you know, because they've just been taken over and mistreated. They also, we hear about them hand spinning yarn to sell, to barter with, and they can spin the yarn as they walk. Did anyone else find that interesting? How does that I work? I did. I, yeah. Seem, I don't know. I don't know. Seems yeah. very efficient. So another thing that I was very curious about is that throughout the book, we hear Chudo and Kuzi and everyone else basically chewing on coca leaves. And I was thinking that I knew what it was, but then I was confused. And so I did what every, you know, good modern person does and Googled it. And the coca plant is what is used to make cocaine. Um, But in the leaf form, it's safe. It's safe to chew. It's safe to make into tea. They actually still sell coca candy, uh, different coca foods. It actually has a lot of health benefits which is where I started reading about uh, the Incas and their knowledge of medicinal options, different things that give you good nutrients. I'm trying to think. Oh, it's also really good for weight loss. It suppresses your appetite, gives you energy. Well, Um, it can, right. It can also help with um, altitude sickness, which actually we see Kuzi suffer from because he's always Mm -hmm. been at a higher elevation. And as they go down the mountain, he starts to feel very weak and sick. Oh, here. It contains essential minerals such as calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus, as well as vitamins A, B1, B2, B6, C, and E. Oh. So it has a lot of health benefits. Where can I order yeah. some of this? Well, <laughs> you cannot because it's illegal to have it in the States. You can only oh. purchase it and consume it in Peru. There's definitely got to be a black market. Is it because... We, you could turn it into cocaine. Is that why yeah, we can't yeah, have it? Yeah, that's why. That's why. But um, so, I, you know, a lot of questions are like, well, okay, if you're chewing it, like, does it make you feel high? Is it addictive? And it's not. Um, it takes, and I don't know kilograms, but this is just what I found in an article. Um, it takes 450 to 600 kilograms of fresh Colombian coca leaves to cr- create one kilogram of cocaine base. And then that's used to make cocaine so so why can't i have like a little jar of some leaves then because we've just totally it's just we've illegal ruined it it's we ruined, ruined it. it for us you know what <laughs> this is why i'm fat <laughs> right it's exactly i know fault. when i saw that i was like i want coca leaves they're good for you and they help you like suppress your appetite and then i realized well they I have can't. all those vitamins in it like cocaine. exactly 
<laughs> like I wouldn't have to like I take like 12 vitamins every morning. I wouldn't have to take all of that. And they make like yummy tea with it and um, this is very they upsetting. put like lime juice with it. You can just chew it with lime juice. But you can only I mean if you go to um certain countries in South America, I'm not sure if it's all of them or most of them. It listed several. But you can consume it, buy it, whatever there. You just you can't bring it home. So, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I was a little disturbed because I was like, I think that's what cocaine comes from. <laughs> and the whole book, this young boy is chewing on cocoa, le- cocoa leaves. And I'm like, what is happening to this boy? I'm like, is that why this book doesn't make sense? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, it's safe. Lest anyone be concerned. <laughs> so yeah, I believe by the end of chapter... Oh, they also, he sees, um, Kuzi sees a truck for the first time. So this was my, like, introduction to the fact that this was not, like, many, many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, and I probably could have gotten that from, because they do reference um, that it's, what did you say, Lauren, like, 400 years after the... Yes, 400 years after the Spanish conquest. But I didn't put two and two together. So they see a truck and it kind of like jerked me out of this weird reality of yeah. <laughs> him sleeping outside with llamas and like riding. I'm thinking like Kuzkotopia and yeah, it's not exactly. quite the same. <laughs> yeah. So this book is probably set in like the ni- late 1940s, maybe. Right. Hmm. Well, that changes things. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So anyway, they take this trip. Um, he manages to get back home. Um, he's obviously his interest is very much piqued about the outside world and wanting a family and things like that. But yeah, that's kind of as far as we get in those chapters. So Lauren, what comes next? All right. I'll pick up in chapter nine. I just want to say before I start <laughs> that in my opinion, the first eight chapters could have been condensed into like two or three chapters mm-hmm. yep it just was dragged out and i just i don't understand why it could have been a much shorter book so basically right. if you're a reader like mandy you probably won't make it through the book because <laughs> of this flaw I, probably yeah, I you're just, probably anyway. right i just had a hard time man it's a Okay, this is what it says in the Newberry Prince Companion about this book. It says, Secret of the Andes is a somewhat difficult book to read and requires some background knowledge of the Incas to appreciate it fully. I mean, this This would have to be like a whole semester of learning and then read this book. You know, I can see that being like, that's some good curriculum there. Because, like, this stuff would be interesting to learn about. So learn about the stuff. It's very interesting. And then read the book. Which is why I'm sad that the book, at least the first eight chapters, were not interesting. (laughs) You know, or even work your way through, like, a read aloud, you know. And you could read a chapter at a time and do some research in between. I wouldn't read this aloud. I wouldn't You know, I'm trying to get creative with this book here, okay? (laughs) 
They return from their trip to the salt pit, and Kusi and Chudo have to shear the llamas. And they, I just, I found this interesting how they shear the llamas, and then they sort the fleece by color and texture and length, and they, you know, they set some aside for trading, and then they use some to make everything basically their blankets their clothes their ponchos their caps and like like you were saying Leah like they had all these things that they made like they make everything and it reminded me a lot of Julie of the Wolves and how Mm -hmm. like they just use everything like when they killed like an animal they would use every part of it Mm -hmm. and were just so I don't know I just I love that kind of stuff. And this reminded me of a lot of that book when they just make everything and are thankful and like, I don't know, they just care really well for the earth and nature and the animals. And I I just, they have an appreciation for it that I think modern Americans Mm -hmm. don't always Mm -hmm. have. It's been lost and we need to find it. I think a lot of, I mean, I know a lot of people that have an appreciation for for nature, but I just, yeah, I feel like it's been, because everything's so convenient for us. Like if we want a poncho, right. we just go buy one or order it off Amazon, you know, like we, <laughs> like you were talking about the salt pits, like watching how salt is mined and like it just gives you a greater appreciation. Mm-hmm. For things like everything's so instant for us and yep. and it wasn't for them they literally had to make everything and it just I don't I just get increases the value of it for me for sure so in these chapters Kusi trains Misty to become a burden bearer so up until this point Misty has just been a companion for him and a pet basically and so now he's training Misty to actually you know, carry things on his back. Misty was not happy about that. No, she gives, he, <laughs> I keep calling her she, it's a boy. He keeps, he gives him a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Then a Mauta comes. A Mauta is an Inca Indian teacher. A Mauta means master or wise one. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a boss battle. <laughs> no. <laughs> Amauta is the title given to teachers in the Incan, Inca Empire. And from what I read, these were teachers who usually only taught the children of the royal bloodline. And so Amauta also wears golden earplugs. And Kusi notices that his ear earplugs are larger than his own. And the reason that this teacher has come is because he's going to train Kusi in the things he needs to learn. And the book does not go into detail about this training. It's (laughs) like the amount of comes. (laughs) And then the next chapter is the amount of had been gone for many weeks (laughs) and Kusi reflected on his training. And I'm like, really? You spent the first eight chapters talking about nothing. And then it gets interesting. And we're going to skip that. Okay. All right. Wait, so, Thanks, but do you know how long he was being taught? Like, do we know how much time has passed? Well, months, apparently. It didn't. It was like one of his tests was thirty days. Yes. Yes. Well, so was it more? Like than he's months? old. Like 
it the book like tells us that like not only has Kusi learned more and he's wiser, but he, he it talks about how his body has changed. Like he's older and bigger, you know, and stronger. So this this was probably this could have been like a year or two. Could have been, yeah. So we could have had a little bit more detail because we had like a two day trip take up the first like five chapters. <laughs> yeah. It, we can't go back now because she's dead. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Kusi reflects on what he has learned, and basically, he has learned the history of the Inca Empire, plant lore, herb medicine, and the secrets of the stars. And also, he's learned how to use the, I think it's pronounced Kipu. It's Q U I P U. And if you look that up, you can find pictures of it. So the Inca, the people of the Inca Empire, they didn't have a written language. And so the way that they communicated and kept records, they would use it to, like, add and subtract. Um, It was these ropes, and they would tie knots in them, and, like, each color represented something different. You can look it up and find pictures. I'll put links in the show notes if you want to see what they look like. So... He learns how to use this. But he's very frustrated because he's learned all this information about the Inca Empire and the history of his people, but he still doesn't know anything about himself. He doesn't know where he came from, who his parents were. He doesn't know, like, his purpose. Like, he has no idea, and so he's just very frustrated about that. Every year, Chuto takes some of the llamas and goes on a journey, and he always returns without the llamas. And Kusi learns that Chuto gives the llamas away to an Inca family. And this year, Chuto says he's going to give the llamas to the family that's living in the valley below them. And he lets Kusi choose the llamas. And so Kusi's so excited. It was such an honor for him to choose these llamas. And he's very excited because he thinks he's going to get to go with Chuto to give these llamas to this family. And he really wants to meet this family because he he wants a family. Like, he longs for this family. He wants to know what it's like to be in a family. But Chuto does not let him come with him. And so he's very disappointed. <sighs> this is devastating. He was very, very <laughs> sad. While Chuto is gone, Misty... Remember, Misty is Kusi's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. llama. He leads Kusi to a secret canyon in the mountain. And Kusi finds a throne carved into the stone. And on the stone is a pair of golden sandals. And so Kusi returns with the sandals and he finds Chuto waiting for him. And he tells Chuto everything he saw. And Chuto says, this is the sign I've been waiting for. You are ready to go on a journey and you you need to go. And he like has to leave right away. Like it was like he had been like out all night. And he was like, you need to leave now. And I'm like, can't he like sleep? Yeah, perhaps and rest? Right? Exactly. <laughs> I was very disturbed by that. Yes. I felt tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So he tells Kusi that now he is ready to journey to Cusco, the holy city, <laughs> to find what his heart desires. Cusco! <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, this is great. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So he sets out on his journey. He gets to go with 12 llamas. 
and they're carrying everything he needs for his journey, and he, he takes Fleece along with him to trade while he's out. And so Kusi, you know, he's been told he's going to go on this journey to find what his heart desires. And he's like, I already know what my heart desires. I desire a family. I'm just going to go down to the valley and find that family. I don't need to go all the way to Cusco. Oh, what I no. want is right down here. So he gets down there. But when he gets there, the family is gone. Oh, no. It would appear that after they received the gift of the llamas from Chuto, that they left. They left their camp. They, they were able to leave because they had the llamas now. And so Kusi's very upset and sad, but he decides to continue on the journey toward Cusco. Oh, that's it. That's all I have. <laughs> oh, wow. What, okay. a, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> Leah. Okay. Mandy's <laughs> like, keep going. I didn't read this. This is so exciting. <laughs> so, Kuzi keeps traveling and he makes it to this walled village. I believe it's, um, nighttime so he is just ready you know to crash and so he's greeted by a young boy who is going to take the llamas and feed them take care of them and then a man comes and says is he here and the young boy said yes he's here um this is an indian village so we again are seeing like there is some great plan for this boy everyone knows about it except us and koozie hmm. So he goes, a woman come. he goes to an older man who seems, I believe he also had royal earplugs. Was that, do you remember that, Lauren? I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I think so. He's, I think he was so. like the leader of this village. village. Royal yeah. flesh tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so he goes to this man and then a woman comes in, um, she calls him son. Uh, she feeds him. And the man says, okay, are you satisfied? Is that enough? And she says, yes. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is it. Like he's made it to his family. Um, but we get no resolution. He eats. He sleeps. He gets some more like vague prophecies about following his heart and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then he has to leave again and head toward Cusco. So that whole scene, I don't know about you, Lauren, but that whole scene was really frustrating to me. Yeah. That's... Because it seemed like I should know what was going on, but I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. And I didn't, I still don't know. I didn't understand, <laughs> like, was this real? Is he just seeing a vision? Is it like I couldn't leaves? figure yeah, I couldn't figure out if it was real or not because he was like, Kusi was like, well, what is this place? And he calls it, and I think it's pronounced Ailu, yes. which is a town of the ancient people. Right. And he even thinks, like, are these people from the past? Is yeah. this present? Like, it was very strange. With and no then answers. I wondered, <laughs> I, yeah, I wondered, I was like, is this Machu Picchu? Mm. But then, like, later in the book, something else happens, which I, I won't give it away. But then I was like, oh, it probably isn't. <laughs> yeah. So, but maybe it was something like Machu Picchu. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. 
Oops, I hit my microphone again. So all through this, he keeps being told to follow his heart, that he has a wise heart, that he can just follow his heart. Um, he arrives at Cusco, um, and again, it's nighttime, and a Spanish guard greets him at the gates and almost kind of like scoffs at him and says, you can't come in here with llamas. Llamas are not allowed in here. And Kuzi is like shocked because this is the Incan holy city. Llamas are like their animal and they don't allow them in the city. He was so confused. Um, thankfully, there again, there is an Indian man waiting for him at the gate. We find out later he'd been waiting there for days. So he comes out. He lets him know, like, you can't come in tonight, but sleep with your llamas. I'll come get you in the morning. So he comes back. Apparently, they're not allowed in the city at night, but they can go into the city at the daytime. They just have to keep moving. So this hey. Indian man comes and meets Kuzi, takes him through the city. Um, we see Kuzi kind of, um, as far as like the coming of age part of the story, he has to use his yarn to barter and do it all on his own. And at first he's really shy and then he starts to get braver. Um, he barters for different things um, and everything he gets, he gets one for him and one for Chuto. And that's important later on. And so he finishes bartering. He kind of wanders around the city. He ends up outside of this church I'm assuming it's a Catholic church because the Spanish there are all mainly Catholics. So he sees people going into the church and he just thinks like, I'm going to find my family here. And so he's kind of looking at people. Are they my family? <laughs> That's kind of what he's doing the whole time. And he finally ends up with this family of just a ton of children. Um, he kind of like sneaks into the herd and the dad is being like funny and jokey about how hard it is to navigate the city with all these kids and the dad finally realizes that they have an extra kid the mom says he's not ours he's indian and we're spanish and the dad says he sees koozie's face and he's like nope he's ours now um so then but they can't call him koozie they try to change his name to a spanish christian name and so this is what Kuzi thinks is going to make him happy. This is what he's been looking for. He finally has kids his own age. They kind of talk about how there are several kids that are around his age. And so he goes with them to sleep at night and he realizes that he doesn't fit here. At some point, he found these golden sandals. And part of his prophecy is that wherever he is going to fit or feel comfortable or where his heart takes him, um, he'll be able to give away the sandals, I believe. Is that right, Lauren? Am I Yeah, like be share share what he share has. Share what he has. And he doesn't want to share the sandals with them. Right. And he realizes I can't share these sandals with this family because they are not they're not Incan. They are not gonna carry my heritage the way I do. And so he sneaks out and leaves. And this is the first part that I finally am starting to grasp, like, the point of the story. Um, he's starting to see just how important it is to maintain his Incan culture. It's even more important than finding a place with a family. Mm. Yeah. So that's when I'm like, okay, I think this is what I'm learning. But there's all these, like, mystical things that are happening. So I keep expecting, like, like a supernatural event to occur. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so <laughs> we also, during that part of the story, a woman comes up to him and says, you look just like Titu. He used to be Chudo's student. I'm his mother. I was the chosen one's mother. And then he fled. 
and then she kind of runs away. And so, like, again, like a tiny, tiny glimpse of the point of the story. I don't know who T2 is. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of, like, see throughout the story that there was another student, but Chudo doesn't want to talk about it. Um, But we still don't quite understand the connection between T2 and Kuzi. All right. Well, the last part of his journey... We see Kuzi coming out of the city, kind of more aware of what his heart really wants, that his culture is very important to him. He comes back out and he meets this older man who's referred to as the keeper of the fields. Apparently, the crops that he grows are the ancient Incan crops, which they just say there's beans and corn, the food of the Incas. So he helps, he kind of helps sum up what Kuzi has figured out that his heritage is really important, that his home, his heart is back with Chudo. Kuzi realizes that's why he bought two of everything, one for him and one for Chudo, because in his heart he knew that's where he belonged. Even though he also thought, like, maybe I'll find a family here and stay here. So you kind of watch him walk through that. But then at the end, we see a shadow figure Kuzi leaves to head back to Chudo, but we see this shadow figure come to the keeper of the fields and kind of ask him, like, you know, is that him? Is he going back? Um, All these questions just to get some clarity on what the decision was. And then the shadow figure leaves. I mean, everyone can make their own guess. My guess of who it is is maybe that it's T2, Um, his dad, like, checking on him because no one knows where his dad is he's just like this wanderer that no one has seen that's my guess maybe it's like romanticizing the story but that makes sense i yeah so i wanted to comment it kind of made me sad like as he was walking through the town of cusco and seeing like all the spanish influence and like Mm -hmm. how like when, when the sun comes up that morning, he's first there, like, he wants to do the sunrise call, and, like, he's with the other Inca Indians that have greeted him to welcome him into the city, and they just kind of stand still and stare out, and he figures out, oh, they're doing the sunrise call, but they're just doing it, like, quietly to themselves. Like, they can't be open about their own culture and... Right. And it just kind of made me sad, like, made me sad for them a little bit, even though, like, like, obviously, I don't, like, promote worshiping the sun. But I don't, it just made me think about how, like, when the Spanish came in and took over, they were just like, you're going to convert to Catholicism. And, like, I don't know. It just, I it made me think of, like, how oftentimes missionaries will go to different places and it's not enough for them to just trust in Christ. Like now you have to become Mm -hmm. westernized basically, you know? Well, and you even kind of get a glimpse into the mind of the Spanish gatekeeper. These ignorant, you know, Incans think that the llamas can come in and, you know, it's so good that I know how to speak their language because at least I know what kind of craziness they're thinking. And, and while it's kind of shocking to read, it's also not. <laughs> yeah. Because we yeah. see that even, I mean, I don't, you know, 
politics, whatever. But we see that even in our own culture. Like when someone mm-hmm. doesn't speak your language and they're from a different culture, there's just this automatic inclination to think you're better than them. They must not be as smart as you. Yeah. And like you said, with missionaries, like even our missionaries in the in the States with the Indian people, the Native yes. Americans, they basically stripped the children from their homes and gave them Christian names and Christian clothes yes. and tried to like colonize them. Yeah. <laughs> and that was their way of like saving them. But the kids had no idea what was happening. Like, yeah, that is heart. The, that whole thing is heartbreaking yes, to me. It is. And it's it's terrible. And like they were not treated well, you know, they were abused and it's just really sad to me that I don't know, like you don't have to people don't have to let go of their entire culture and way of living, you know, to to become Christian, but that's that was just the mindset for so yep. long. Kusi returns to the Hidden Valley to Chuto. He tells him all about his journey and how he realized that the family he was seeking, he already had with Chuto and their flock of llamas. And so once he says this to Chuto, Chuto finally reveals to Kusi what they are really doing here in the Hidden Valley. He takes him to the Sunrise Rock where he gives the sunrise call every day. There he reveals there's a hidden door in the wall of the rock, and inside there is a cave filled from floor to roof with bags of powdered gold. And he tells him that when the Inca Indians were conquered, the Indians sent 10,000 llamas down the trails of the Andes carrying bags of gold dust, and the llamas and the gold dust vanished. For 400 years, people have searched for the llamas and the gold dust, but no one has ever found it. And I'm just going to read some of the last. So he like tells him all this in a poem. And this is the last stanza of the poem. 400 years men have searched to find the llamas and to find the gold. Only two men shall know where the llamas are herded. Only two men shall know where the gold is hidden. Only two men shall know. One whose footsteps approach the end of the trail. One whose young feet stand at its beginning. Only two men shall know, only two men shall know, this has been written in the stars. And so it's kind of like, you know, you know, always two there are, <laughs> no a master more. and an <laughs> apprentice. <laughs> That's what I thought too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but now it all makes sense. Chuto is keeping this secret and everybody who has come along to help train Kusi know about this secret, but they can't tell him until he is basically vowed Mm -hmm. to protect the herd and to keep this secret. He, I don't know what is going on here, but Kusi has to repeat what Chuto says, like, he repeats mm-hmm. some things like basically vowing to protect the 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 llamas and the secret and like each little bit of what he says like his hand is bleeding or something so i don't know if like he has to like cut himself <laughs> like there's that's like what it some blood like. ritual hmm. that's what it sounds like yeah it's some type of blood ritual that they're doing here interesting 
so it it just once you once we find all of this out I don't like the whole book I was just annoyed by Chuto and the other Inca Indians and because they never answer his questions but once you get to the end of the story you understand like they can't tell him because he has to vow to protect them before they can tell them tell him about this so I don't really know if there was a better way to go about writing this, but I was just frustrated the whole book. And like, I feel like I need to go back and reread it now that I know what I know, because just nothing made sense the whole book until now, you know? It sounds like it would make a good film, actually. Yeah, I can see it being a good film. And Chuto reveals to him that Titu was indeed his father and that Titu was supposed to be the next one to follow after Chuto but when he went on his journey he didn't come back and instead he a few years later brought Kusi basically to be his replacement and the woman that he encountered yeah like Leah said the woman he encountered in that village was his mother which makes the old lady his grandma his grandma why would she not say something I and, like, the only thing I can think of is, like, she didn't want to hinder him from returning to the Hidden Valley. Like, maybe if yeah. she had said, I'm your grandma, at that point in the story, he still wants a family. That's true. He That's probably would have stayed with her. That's a good point. But, yeah, we don't know that till now. Yeah. Also, that city where he met his mom, there was a landslide, so it was destroyed, so she's dead. <laughs> so there's that. Why? Why was that necessary? I don't know. They just to cut off all of his connections, I guess. Well, his grandma's still out there. I don't know. I don't know. It's just we find themes like that in other stories, mm-hmm. like, especially Star Wars. Like you can't have can't any have. connections, and it just. I don't know. I've had conversations with you guys about that yeah. before, but <laughs> just, we don't have to I just do it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We can let it go. Sorry. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> But yeah, that's the story. That is the secret of the Andes. There's gold also, in them there hills. It's not true. It's a made up it's a made up story. It's what? Not. This is historical fiction. How dare you? Okay, but is it like there is no... it like Incan mythology? I tried to find I couldn't I think Anne Nolan Clark made it up. Well then. Huh. I tried to find to see if there was one, but I can't. I mean, I, I figured it was mythology because there were yeah. some like weird mythological things. Yeah. So yeah, there you go, guys. There it is. This is the book that beat Charlotte's Web. Yep. And do you think that? That should have been Lauren. I mean, the Newberries, in and of themselves, like it's subjective. It's all subjective. Right. Like here's here's the definition: the Newberry Medal is awarded to the author of the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children, and that's it. And so you have this yeah. group of librarians who mm-hmm. pick a book every year out of all the books that were published the previous year you know and so 
I don't know. Like, you just have to... I, I mean, it, it is very culturally so. rich, so maybe it that is. Well, was part of their decision. And I would say, too, it could be slightly controversial just in the aspect of being on the side of the Incas, basically. Right. Instead of the Christian Spaniards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that is probably another way that it was kind of edgy. Although I felt like they weren't picking very edgy books back then, you know? No. No, but it's edgy in a way where, like, how is anyone going to say anything about this? Like, this is a wonderful story. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, I... have you guys ever read Charlotte's Web or you just know the story? I just know the story. I feel like I read it back in the day when, like, when I was a kid. Like, I owned yeah. it, but I don't remember it. Because I think, like, to be fair, to give a fair comparison, like, you have to read the book. Because, you know, like Mandy said, The Secret of the Andes would probably make a very good film. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But, and so people might be like, oh, that's a great story. We love it. And then you read the book and it sucks. Right. It doesn't suck. It just isn't, you know. Right. But Charlotte's Web, I have read. And it's a very good book and very dear and heartwarming and just. I'm fairly certain it was read to me in like elementary school. Right. I think so, too. I think so, too. It just has like this huge theme of friendship and faithfulness and. In my opinion, again, this is all subjective, but in my opinion, Charlotte's Web is a more enjoyable book. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to read. Hmm. Not, And I'm not talking like reading level. I'm talking like ease of following the plot. Right. E- that easy right. to fall into, as it were. Because this, the secret, it's not the secret, Secret of the Andes was very difficult to read not because of like a reading level issue and like there were words I didn't understand it just it was just hard to follow and to figure out what is happening in this story you know yeah I agree so that's just my opinion (laughs) you're being so gentle Lauren I'm so (laughs) proud of you Thank you. I was I wanted to look up and see if there was a five star rating for this on Goodreads and just to see if is there someone out there who loved this book? And what did they say? <laughs> Our good friend Benji gave it three stars. <laughs> Benji, oh, Benji. How we haven't is talked he? about him. I don't know. He's good, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if he even He knows read this six years ago. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't know us. (laughs) I mean, Deb gave it five stars. What does she say? It's not a great review. Um, She just says it's a quiet (laughs) story. I mean, she's just summarizing it. A quiet story of an Incan boy. She just tells what the story is about. Yeah, I don't, that's not a review. No. Well, I mean, you can do that in your review, but then also oh, you goes. need to say why you liked it. He says, it's. she says, it's a wonderful little story of the seeking and finding of simple happiness in a big world. Simple happiness? He's guarding a gold treasure. 
And I don't feel like anything sounded simple All about right. this story. Here's here's a review from Jackie B. <laughs> I'm not reading her whole review. I'm just going to read parts of it because it's long. She says, Clark's writing style is beautiful and lyrical. I enjoyed consuming every sentence and often slowed down <laughs> to reread some of my favorite ones. But I am an adult and I appreciate writing differently than a child. This writing style might be beyond the appreciation of the intended audience when read personally, but I believe that Secret of the Andes is best read aloud, regardless mm-hmm. of the audience's age or reading level. And hmm. she's sad about how that doesn't have very good reviews and you know how it gets a bad reputation because it, you know, it beat Charlotte's Web, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> See, I would disagree. I would not read this aloud i i just i don't know it just is i wouldn't enjoy listening to it i started listening to this on audiobook and i immediately turned it off because i kept spacing out i just i feel I like that. she like she doesn't know me but somehow she was still able to insult me in that by <laughs> right <laughs> i'm an adult and i enjoy this but the children probably wouldn't what are you saying about my my reading? I mean, I agree. Taste. I agree with that though. Like, I cannot see a child enjoying this no. book. Anyway, I so I would recommend this book for like I don't know what would you guys say, ages I mean, seven and up. Yeah, the certainly. book says eight to twelve, but I feel like or maybe a smart eight, seven yeah, year old. Could I, I was being generous with the seven. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like as a seven year old, I would have been able to understand this. I wouldn't have. I'll just be real honest. I mean, I don't know, like, if I could have read it, but, like, if someone would have read it to me. I wouldn't have made it through the first chapter. (laughs) I feel like, you know what? I keep on trying to give grace here, Lauren, with this book, and you just... I know, but... You just keep shooting me down. But you didn't read it, (laughs) Mandy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't read the whole thing, though. I read four chapters. Exactly. perhaps if someone would have continued to read it to me, I would have finished it. (laughs) I would have daydreamed. I would have daydreamed if this had been read to me in school. Okay, so. So I hope there wasn't a test. Ultimately, for our listeners, you know, you just have to weigh our mixed reviews on if you want to give it a shot. Like Leah was talking about earlier, there's a lot of fun ways that you can enrich your experience. And like, even if you don't want to read this book, like, I still think it would be fun to study Incan culture and Peru and South Mm -hmm, America mm -hmm. and the Andes. And so, I mean, yeah, like you could do like a lot of geography study with this. And maybe along the way, you'd stumble into one of her other books that she wrote regarding... So yeah, History. like study Peru, study the Andes Mountains, the Amazon rainforest. Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I read that half of the Amazon rainforest is in Peru. Hmm. So well, I think too, like all the different foods and things that could be really fun. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think anything's fun when you add food to it. So <laughs> somewhere I've always wanted to visit is Machu Picchu. And why is that, Lauren? Well, it's a World Heritage Site, Mm. which Leah and I had the privilege of visiting another World Heritage Site in Japan. Oh, the Shirakawa, yes. 
Yeah, we visited Shirakawa Go, which was so beautiful and is just, it's just old and cool, you know, and it's just been preserved and people still live there. With Machu Picchu, though, it's, it's just something that an explorer found in the 1900s and it's just this old Incan temple, but also looks like people like lived there, like there's dwelling places and it's just it's up in the mountains in the andes mountains and it's just really cool and beautiful and so yeah someday someday i'm gonna go i want to go i think it'd be super cool but yeah it's 50 miles from the city of cusco and so it's believed that the the incan king at the time built it like as like a a getaway i i'm guessing like if you watch the emperor's new groove it was his Cusco-topia. version of <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so yeah i i would love to go there someday so it'd be fun to study that with your kids and learn about llamas and alpacas you could do cardboard weaving um, the minstrel in the book plays a panpipe, and I found uh, a craft project where you can make your own out of straws, so that would be fun. Nice. So, you know, drawing, weaving, making panpipes. So fun. All kinds of fun things. I like it. All of the things you can do instead of reading this book. I also found some fun like informational videos on YouTube about the Inca Empire and how the Spanish came and conquered them they also I learned this is something also that was cool I learned that they had a very sophisticated infrastructure of roads Hmm. and they nobody really knows how they built them because they didn't have iron tools And, like, even, like, Machu Picchu is, like, this great architectural thing, and they don't know how... It's the aliens, Lauren. It was built. Don't you watch the History Channel? (laughs) But anyway, so I will show... I will put links to those videos in the show notes if you want to watch them with your kids. I just found them very interesting and fascinating. So if our listeners' interests were piqued by the topics in this book, or you've read this book and you want to read something like it, Lauren, what books would you suggest to them? Okay, so in the Newberry Prince Companion, they recommend a few. I'm not going to say all of them. I'm just going to say a few of them. Uh, But I will link all of them in the show notes. The first one that they recommend is called The Well of Sacrifice by Chris Ebok. And it details, it's a Mayan story, so it's not Incan, but it's Mayan. And in the story, Evanstar tries to avenge the death of her brother Smokeshell. So that might be what, this one was written in 1999. So I don't know, maybe it's like better written than, I don't know, I feel like, some of the Newberries of the past are just difficult to read, but then as you get closer to to our time, it's just they become easier to read. And it, I just feel like authors over the years have are just learning 
better how to write for children. Right. Don't you guys agree? Mm-hmm. I would agree. Mm-hmm. The next one is Moon Rope by Lois Ellert. And this is told in English and Spanish, so that might be a good one. It's a Peruvian folktale about Fox who persuades his friend Mole to go with him to the moon. Ooh. That one sounds cute. The last one I want to say that they recommend is called Indians of the Andes. It's a nonfiction book by Marion Morrison. And the Andean Indians in their way of life are introduced in text and numerous color photos. Very fun. And then on my own, I just, I wanted to look up more books about like Peru and Inca culture. So I found a few and I will link those in the show notes as well if you're interested. Um, I found like a few picture books that might be fun. So one of them is called Maria Had a Little Llama. I saw that. (laughs) That looks so cute. Yes. Yes. So it's obviously a take on Mary Had a Little Lamb, but from what I was reading, it gives a lot of information about llamas and um, their culture. So it'd be a fun one to to read. And then there's one about the rainforest called The Rainforest Grew All Around by Susan Mitchell. Kind of a take on that little song, The Green Grass Grew All Around. I don't know if you guys remember that. I do know. It's one of those songs where like they like add things mm. as you go throughout the song. Anyway. <laughs> those are the those are the books. I found a lot more, but I don't want to take up time talking about them, so I will link them all in the show notes. If you want to do a deep dive with your kids lovely, on like South America or the Andes or the Amazon or Inca culture. Very cool. All right. Well, our next book is Mandy's Pick. Do you have a book in mind, Mandalay? I do. I I don't think this one has been read. I have I chosen. Guess we'll find out. <laughs> I have chosen "Walk Two Moons" by Sharon Creech. Walk Two Moons. I have not read this book. It is the 1995 Newbery Medal winner. Why did you choose this one, Mandy? Um, honestly, when I Googled, there was, it, it showed it to me with like, it must be a newer cover that I saw. And yes, so I have a uh, 25th anniversary edition. I picked it solely on the cover. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> I also read about what it's about. It seems interesting. Well, give us, give us a, a summary. Okay, so, the Goodreads blurb. How about a story? Spin us a yarn. Instantly, Phoebe Winterbottom came to mind. I could tell you an extensively strange story, I warned. Oh, good, Graham said. Delicious. And that is how I happened to tell them about Phoebe, her disappearing mother and the lunatic. As Sal entertains her grandparents with Phoebe's outrageous story, her own story begins to unfold. The story of a 13-year-old girl whose only wish is to be reunited with her missing mother. In her own award-winning style, Sharon Creech intricately weaves together two tales, one funny, one bittersweet, to create a heartwarming, compelling, and utterly moving story of love, loss, and the complexity of human emotion. That sounds really interesting, actually. Very cool. I'm excited. So am I. So better order that on 
Amazon right now. Expanding my Newberry collection. <laughs> One day you will own them I all. I will, and, and I'll but have a you complete collection. you won't have read them all. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we let the people know how to get in touch with us? We should. You can email us at teamfriendshippodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Team Friendship Podcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Team Friendship Podcast. And you can check out our website for past episodes and all of our show notes, teamfriendshippodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram at jedireader1138. I'm also on Instagram at redheadedreader. And you can also find me on Instagram at Mandy Malay Faux Reader. Well, we will see you all on another time. And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book, ever. They live in a hidden valley in the Andes Mountains. Together, they- <laughs> I was trying to do it again, so I don't have. Sorry, a- I'm sorry. It's just the way you did it, man. Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay. Whew, go on. Well, they. So anyway, they, no. Before we go in the movie, okay. they pronounce his name wrong the entire time, and so. Oh my goodness! Like there's. A lot more stuff that's to dislike, but like right off the bat, it's like you have to endure this whole movie with this major like. Why would they do that? <laughs> I don't know. Was it like that? Doesn't make sense. You know, that's they made a live action movie of Attack on Titan, and my like everyone's favorite character, his name's Captain Levi, is not even in the movie because. They were like, well, we don't have a Japanese, because it's a Japanese movie. It's not American. Um, and they're like, well, we don't have a Japanese name equivalent, so we're just not going to put him in, in the movie. I'm like, he's like the best character in the whole thing. It's and stupid. you don't have Captain Then Levi. just don't do the what movie. What is wrong? And then they like took two of the characters who are more like, they're not related, but they have more of a brother-sister relationship, and they made them lovers, and I'm just like, I'm not watching just this. Just stop this doing ridiculous. this stuff. Yeah. Give the people what they yeah. want. Anyway, right. it's fine. Just watch the anime. It's way better. All right. Are we ready to... <laughs> yes, you may continue now. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't want to say so. That bugs me when I do that. Okay. <laughs> so, so. You, you don't have to keep this in, but this is funny to me. Another five-star rating. This book was interesting. Custo learning that he was someone else. <laughs> learning that you need to follow your <laughs> i see now why she gave it a five-star rating oh she was having some of those coca leaves while she read it good old custo
<laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny too. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great book if you're doing the cocaine. I love Custo. <laughs> <laughs> uh.